How to Pay for College During a Pandemic with guest co-host Chris Gillibo, Money Tree author and host of the Side Hustle podcast. It is Wednesday, August 26th. Let's talk money with our friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebell, host of the Financial Grown-Up podcast coming to you from my very grown-up kitchen in New York City. Hey, what's up? It's Chris Gillipo, author of The Money Tree and other books, uh, podcast, Side Hustle School, longtime guest now of Money with Friends. Uh, very happy to be back uh, for my last episode, I think, but I'm still glad to be here. Oh, no. All right, everybody. This is the Money News Show that includes commentary on recent headlines and stories with thought leaders from across the financial landscape, like best-selling author Chris Gillibo. We break those stories down into what matters to you, our friends, and we leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. And this episode of Money with Friends is sponsored by Tiller, your financial life in a spreadsheet automatically updated each day. Go to tillerhq.com forward slash MWF for a free trial and to support the show. And Chris, it's your last day. Mm-hmm. But we'll I will to continue to come through. back and watch. And I've got my Money with Friends mug to keep me company in the meantime. So, yes. Yes, you you did get that. We paid you with a mug. That is what you yes, get for being for a guest on this show. You. Um, you are prolific, by the way. You literally, I don't know how you do it. You have a new episode every day. You do it all by yourself of Side Hustle School podcast. It's pretty incredible. Well, thank you. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I feel really fortunate that people actually care about it and um, you know, it's all about helping people to, you know, create a new source of income during a difficult, difficult time perhaps, uh, but at least without quitting their job and without going into debt. And so I, I believe in that a lot. Um, so I'm very happy to do it. And very happy to help people come up with new income to pay for things like college. Let's see which yeah. one of our money friends is going to bring mm. us into the headline. Hey, this is Paul from the crazy money podcast. We'll supply the coffee. They'll supply the headlines. That's why I listen to Money with Friends. The headline is Top Personal Finance Experts Offer Tips on Paying for College During a Pandemic. Uh, this is from Forbes, written by Brianna McGurin. The only constant is change in the COVID-19 era, and college students and their families are dealing with near-daily upheaval as they look to the fall. Colleges are increasingly releasing updates to their instructional plans, that shift most, if not all, of students' coursework online. But not all colleges have reduced their costs as a result of these changes. To address some of the most common and com most pressing and common questions family or families are facing right now, Forbes Advisor and SavingForCollege.com co-hosted a webinar, Paying for College During a Pandemic. And this webinar featured an expert panel, uh, lots, lots of guests, was moderated by Brianna McCurran, student loans analyst at Forbes Advisor. So here are several of the takeaways from the event, uh, which you can also watch on Facebook. So number one is speak up. Uh, right now, many people's incomes have taken a drastic hit. And when the federal boost to unemployment expired on July 31, that placed some families in even more dire circumstances. So um, one of the guests' advice uh, to viewers of the event, if COVID-19 has led to a reduction or loss in income, especially compared to the income listed on the student's free application for federal student aid, the FAFSA form, uh, let the college's financial aid office know. Be vocal, he said. Speak up. A financial aid appeal will take time and will require providing proof of the reduction in income. But schools are prepared to take your appeal under consideration, uh, especially if it means keeping the student enrolled rather than losing them for the year. It's possible, and in fact advisable, 
to ask for more financial aid if the coronavirus has changed your financial picture. So let's just stop there. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, to me, I almost think about when they say rather than lose the student for the full year, I mean, mm. it kind of tells me maybe you have more negotiating power than you think, because mm -hmm. if other students are leaving, maybe you have some leverage if you say, well, I'll stay, but you got to help me more. That, I think that's absolutely correct. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing in lots of places. I mean, a lot of students are leaving, you know, or they're going to other institutions, they're, you know, to more affordable institutions, or they're, they're taking gap years, you know, um, another good friend of mine in, in New York state, uh, his daughter is, uh, is going to be a sophomore, I think. And she just decided to kind of, you know, not go back this fall basically. And, you know, presumably at some point she will, but, uh, they were paying a lot of money and the whole pro program was going online. And so, yes, I think, I think, I think if you're a parent paying for school, if you're a student paying for school, I think you definitely have some leverage. I mean, it also reminds me of other big expenses. I mean, even in airlines, for example, that's mm -hmm. a whole complicated thing with your health these days and whether you feel personally that it's safe. But in terms of the mm -hmm. pricing and stuff, they often will sell seats, it, let's say in the before, at a huge discount just to fill the seats because once that plane takes mm -hmm. off, that's just lost yeah. revenue. So once the semester begins, uh -huh. which is happening imminently or right now for so many schools, if you don't have that student mm -hmm. in that, even if it's a virtual seat, you don't have that student enrolled, mm -hmm. that tuition money is kind of gone forever. So maybe now yep. is a sweet spot to bring that up. Uh, I mean, and also like the costs of the colleges are so much lower as well, I think. And we could talk about this more, but especially in this case with like Zoom University, you know, if that student is is not there, they're not actually on campus, the Zoom thing or whatever the platform is, is still happening you know, I mean, I think that I think they're going to have to make a lot of changes, colleges. So the, so the advice about speaking up is is good advice, I think. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's interesting that you're saying, and I agree with you, mm -hmm. that Zoom, the college on Zoom has got mm -hmm. to cost these colleges mm -hmm. less. I mean, they're not paying mm -hmm. for all the different things that happen on campus. But many colleges are saying, well, wait a second, we still have a lot of the same overhead because we're still paying mm -hmm. professors and all that. And we also now have to create this whole online platform. And we've had to hire all kinds of people, I guess they hire consultants, I don't know what they hire, but and improve all their technology, which to me should mm -hmm. have been upgraded beforehand. But in mm -hmm. any case, they're making the case that they have higher costs. I mean, do you believe leave them Crimea river you know i think like <laughs> i mean everybody's <laughs> got everybody's got problems but uh who's who's supposed to pay for that you know one of the things that we talked about i think in our very first episode or one of those was like you know whenever there's progress like whenever there's advancement then there are industries that are harmed like there's always and when there's disruption like coronavirus you know economic effects then there are other you know industries that advance so if we think about like i think we talked about the car industry like the automobile industry when that first came out like the horse and buggy industry they were just outraged right and like you know but nobody's coming along to subsidize them and to say oh now things have changed we have to like your costs are higher we need to like you know everybody is struggling right now and i think when i think about people who are struggling you know it's like the middle class that are struggling or you know anybody that's that's been paying like this really high amount for tuition so I, I don't have a lot of sympathy for the, the colleges and universities. All right. I want to come back to that a little bit, but let's go into the article just a bit more. Um, it talks about rethinking mm -hmm. debt and says it's mm -hmm. always a good idea to minimize parents and student college debt. We know that. Um, and to use a student loan calculator to get a clear idea of how much you'll owe per month and so on and so on. Singletary said her family's approach to student loan debt, which was to use her parents' savings and student scholarships and grants to pay for her children's education, 
no loans at all. That reduces the possibility that a student won't be able to afford their payments after graduating. Well, obviously, I think I think it's really good advice to not assume you have to take out loans for school and to try to find a way to pay for it out of pocket, even if it's a tight squeeze at the time, because at the end of the day, loans, it's never a good story to have big loans. In fact, sometimes you can use savings. You can have the student have a job. The parents maybe can have, you're the king of the side hustles. You can have side hustles going on and ways to either eliminate taking out loans, certainly private loans. And they talk in the article about how federal loans can have advantages to private loans if you do have to have loans. But definitely ideas about maybe not assuming you have to have the most expensive loans, but sometimes take a little more work to put together. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I see actually somebody's Adrian commented about community colleges. I went to community college. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of that system. And uh, it was a lot, a lot more affordable. And then like later, I transferred to a four year institution and ended up, you know, getting a degree, but I'm really grateful for that community college experience. And also, I would say, um, I, 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 and I paid my way through, like, I actually worked a lot, and I didn't want to have debt. Um, but I also want to be fair and just say, well, okay, this is like more than 20 years ago, and costs have gone up quite a bit. I mean, like a lot of, in, you know, institutions are charging like extreme amounts of tuition. So it's not always possible to do that. But anywhere that you can possibly save is good. So I appreciate the community college suggestion. The third thing is stay flexible. Each of the panelists stressed the importance of staying open to change during this period when everyone is working to manage unprecedented circumstances. Gene Chatsky, for example, explains that potentially making changes to a student's college plan, taking a gap year, for instance, or transferring to a community college, see she's there with you, Chris, mm -hmm. is personal. Um, and saying, you know, what's right for one student might not be right for another, but it is wise to think deeply about whether remote learning is going to work for you or your child and to shift focus, at least for the fall semester, if that's best. In other words, to some degree, take money off the table. Is it even going to work? You know, whatever yeah. the cost, is remote learning something that's going to work? We spend so much time. I mean, I'm a parent of college kids. We spend time. People go to campuses and visit. Do you want a small campus, a big campus? What kind of tone do you want to the campus? But none of that is coming through on a computer screen. So if right. you have a student that really needs, for example, small classes with individual attention to learn, it's not clear that Zoom is going to cut it for them, regardless of whether the college discounts it or not. So it may not be a good idea anyway. Yeah, I think often in life, we, we kind of uh, look at two options and we forget that there are more than two options. Right? We're like, so now we're talking like, is it right to, to you know, pay a lot of money for college or, or you know, should we protest it or speak like all this kind of stuff? But the other option is to kind of opt out, right? The other option is to say, you know, this is just a difficult time for so many people right now. Maybe there's something, maybe I don't need to go this semester or maybe there's another solution or some, you know, self, uh, self-directed program that I can pursue, or maybe there's some work I can, I don't know. There's just, I feel like there's always more options than are available to, that we think of, you know, at first. Um, so for anybody who's like struggling and trying to figure stuff out, I think it's just good to look at all your options. Absolutely. We did talk to our Instagram community at Money Friends Pod. We asked them if they thought colleges should discount for online learning. And, and look, there is a debate as we are having about whether it really does cost them less. I cannot imagine how it could not cost them less, but mm -hmm. they, many of these schools are making the argument. Um, what do you think? I'll just give you one guess. I think you're going to, this is going to be a slam dunk for you. What do you think they said? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious for anybody. If you ask like, would you like to pay less, you know, tuition or less for anything? Most people would be like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Right. Yeah. So yeah, the vast majority, over 90% did say that colleges should discount for online learning. And then we asked them if people had any advice for the colleges. Um, and we did get a few examples, um, a few answers. Do you want to share some of those? 
Yeah. So I see one from, I think it's golden girl underscore 17. She says, uh, consider passing along the impact of having lower, lower utilities, uh, for not having students and staff on campus, uh, which, you know, that sounds good to me, but I think it's not just the utilities like that are, it's like a lot of other stuff. Um, and then I am the real spoon kind of calls it like it is. Uh, I am the real spoon says prices are already too high time to rethink higher ed. So yeah. Yeah. Like and and then we the have margin. It's like the big thing. Go ahead. Yeah, I totally agree. And then also we had another comment. Don't raise tuition because you're losing money on dorms and meal plans. So that's the thing. So this is where it gets complicated. So I would say as a parent, why would I pay for a dorm and meal plan if we are literally not using it? And to be fair, my son's college did refund us the dorm cost for the end of the spring semester that he was forced to not be in the dorm. So, and to me, that's pretty cut and dry. The reality right. is though, the flip side for the university is then they're not getting that revenue that they did count on. And there are a lot of fixed costs in running a dorm that even though they may not right. have to have people cleaning them and have the heat running fully or whatever it is, they still, you know, it's like a landlord not able to collect rent. So in other words, they're not getting that revenue and they are having that cost. So I think that right. is fair, but at the end of the day, the students are not getting that value and there has to be some, I mean, a lot of these schools have big endowments, Chris. Yeah. Oh, endowments of hundreds of millions of dollars in some case, yeah. in some cases. And uh, so, with all the discussion, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No. I'm just thinking with all this discussion, I didn't mean to like preempt. I was like thinking about my takeaway, which I don't mean to, you know, get ahead. But I was thinking with all this discussion about costs, I, I wonder that if the more important consideration is is value, you know, it's not just about what things cost, what their expenses are and such, you know, it's like, what what are you getting out of this? You know, um, you know, your, your son who's in college, like what a, like, what is the value? That's what matters more than what it costs and what their expenses are and all that. Like, what is he going to come out of the other side with, you know? Yeah, I think that's very valuable. And I think a lot of that has to do with, is this one mm -hmm. semester where yeah. if it's right for your child, which again, I love that point by Jean Chatsky, if it's mm -hmm. right for your child and they can do classes online for one semester, okay. But if this is going to be much longer than that, and it's, remember, it's already been since last March for most of these kids, mm -hmm you really have to think about it and, and think about what we are paying for because people have, I mean, there's no way people would have said, Oh, instead of Harvard, I'm just going to go to online learning before this. Mm -hmm. Right. And yet that's what right. Harvard is. So right. the question is, what are you really paying these premiums for? If mm -hmm. you're not getting the full on-campus college experience, a lot of which is just growing up and making friends. And mm -hmm. I think that this virtual world has been great and technology can be a wonderful band-aid, but I don't think that it will ultimately replace face-to-face -face interaction. Right now, working from home, learning from home, because we're all on equal playing fields in that respect, is working. But if you had half the people, for example, translating this to a workplace in the office and a few people at home, that's where it becomes more complicated. So right now, we've got a level playing field. Everyone's online, but there is a big value to being mm -hmm. together. And I think that mm -hmm. that will be even more appreciated yeah. when we do get back to that. And I think that's all the people that are saying we're going to have everything be virtual going on are going to be for, for me. I think a lot will be virtual, but I think there'll mm -hmm. be more appreciation for actually meeting together in person more so than ever before. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, no, I'm good with that. <laughs> All right, let's just let's just table that for a minute. We're going to come back yep. with our takeaways. Let's just mm. talk about getting organized because that is something that I need to be doing. Um, full disclosure, I haven't even filed my taxes for 2019. 
So the extension is October 15th. So it's a really good thing to be organized. And one of the best ways to do that is with Tiller. So Tiller gets all of your money organized so you know exactly what is going on. And we're so happy to have Tiller as a sponsor for Money with Friends. It helps you manage your money a lot faster because it organizes everything and automatically updates. It connects to Google Sheets or Excel. It'll have your daily spending, your transactions, your balances. You don't have to compromise because even if you're not a spreadsheet person, these spreadsheets are fully customizable. So it'll look the way that you want it to look. Chiller makes them even better because it has the automatic daily feeds of your spending, your balances, your transactions. So you know what's going on. You don't have to have data entry and all these different account logins. I don't know about you, but I can't handle that Mm -hmm. stuff. It's just too much. Uh, So you just connect your banks once and then you can see everything set it up once. You don't have to do anything again. Learn more about it. See if it's right for you. You go to tillerhq.com forward slash MWF for more information. You're going to get a free trial and you will support the show, which of course is priceless. Right, Chris? Absolutely. <laughs> of course. All right. But let's talk about paying for college. And and really this applies to so many things. What do you, what's your mm-hmm. takeaway here? My takeaway is you know, it's not just about what the future of online education or education is. Um, like, I agree. I think in the, like, if we're able to gather more then those in-person experiences are going to be more valuable and such. But I also think like this has gone on for so long and it's going to continue for the foreseeable future that there, there are going to be like these long-term, you know, uh, systematic or foundational changes that come from it. Um, and maybe some of it's good. Maybe some of it's a rebalancing on, on that uh, tuition, which has only gone up and up and up over the past couple of decades. Um, like I said, I feel fortunate that I was able to pay for my education, you know, a couple of decades ago, but I don't know if I would be able to if I was in that same position now because of how expensive it is. So hopefully there will be a bit of a, a re- rebalancing. And I'm glad that people are, you know, asking these these questions, you know, rather than just like oh, yeah. accepting, right? No, and I think you bring up such a good point because people are asking questions and I hope that people will hold colleges and universities more accountable for their finances and that the tuition should not just be this number that they just declare everybody must pay, that it will be questioned, that maybe we'll see more of them opening their books and showing us, okay, yes, our costs did go up and yes, we did do this and yes, we did this and this is why we can't lower our costs because right now as a parent, I find it incredibly frustrating that we are clearly getting less value and we are literally paying more money. We had mm-hmm. our tuition. It was previously scheduled, but it was raised. And there's something wrong about that when we're clearly not mm-hmm. getting the same experiences. And our children do not have the same resources. They don't have use yep. of the gym. They don't have use of, mm-hmm. in the same way, the library. They don't have use of mm-hmm. classrooms to go into. And they don't have the same access in person to professors and different personnel associated with the school. It's just not the same. And yet the price is even more. And even though they have to find a way, I guess I'm saying to get those expenses down, they can certainly say, well, they went up and shrug their shoulders, but that's not really good enough. It wouldn't be good enough Mm -hmm. in private enterprise and it shouldn't be good enough. Mm -hmm. And our kids deserve better. Um, I also want to talk about the fact that I take comfort in what Jean Chatsky had to say about, you know, knowing your kid, And knowing if attending and paying for college in a pandemic is even worth the money and staying flexible. I mean, we all have to be proactive and deliberate in what we decide and not be stuck in what we think other people expect us to do. And also even don't be afraid to change course. I mean, look what's happening. The situation Mm -hmm. is changing all the time. We thought our college junior would take a gap semester originally. That's what we thought last spring. If it wasn't going to be in person, he is online. And in the end, we decided really he, and we agree with him, we support him to take his classes online. Um, 
but he's going to be living off campus with mm-hmm. his college roommates and have some semblance of a junior year of college experience. That would be very different mm-hmm. if he were a freshman. So that's kind of our version of a hybrid approach. And that's what we're doing. And everyone should really look at your unique situation financially and the learning style of your child and where they are in their education freshman year, very different from junior year in terms of how you relate to your peers and your campus experience. A lot of kids might've been abroad junior year. So everything is just a jumble and a mess and we got to be prepared. I hate this cliche word, but we have to be prepared to constantly mm-hmm. pivot in this situation. Don't you hate right. that pivot word? Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. I don't like that oh word either, but the concept is, uh, it's like, you don't like the word, but that's, it's true. You have to be adaptable and flexible. And I think you're, if you don't adapt and, and be willing to change, then you're just going to be frustrated. And, you know, it's going to be much more difficult than if you're like, okay, well, here's the situation now. So what does that then mean for me now? Because maybe I'm going to make a different decision than I would have with previous days. Yes, absolutely. And we've learned a lot about adapting and changing from you. I mean, we were only able, I don't want to say we were only able to, but a lot of the reason we were able to get you on this show so consistently is because you had to adapt Mm -hmm. to the coronavirus pandemic Mm -hmm. and change a lot of your plans in terms of your book tour. And you had this YouTube series going Mm -hmm. and lots of different things. Um, Tell us about, you know, how your summer is kind of has shaped up and what you're planning for the fall as much as you can. I know you have a lot of stuff that's sort of not yet you can't it's some good stuff coming but you can't talk about all of it yet but give us at least something chris give us something sure sure no sure sure and it's not like it's like uh you know secret or something i just i i've tried to like um try to focus more on like actually creating something as opposed to be like here's what i'm creating you know and talking about it all the time you know like i just want to like be like here's what i made you know so like when i in the money tree came out in the spring like i didn't actually you know have a lot of advanced hype about it it was like when it was out it's out you know so now i'm kind of working on some stuff that hopefully will be out at some point but i'm, I'm still doing the the podcast every day side hustle school I'm still trying to, you know, show up and be helpful however I can, you know, online and otherwise. And uh, hopefully at some point I will be able to do more, you know, bookstore events and other like co-working spaces, events and such. But that's kind of, that's not really on my timetable. I'm just kind of waiting to see what happens. So before I let you go, what is your best money advice for your friends? Oh, my best money advice for my friends. To me, I think it always comes back to, um, we touched briefly on this thing about how there's, you know, more than one choice, right? And it's not a binary choice of like A, B, and and I I think it's always good in life to be like, you know, where is the C and D and E and um, understanding that you don't have to accept whatever is being presented to you. And if you you don't feel satisfied at the available options, uh, rather than, you know, like settling, you know, for the least bad one, you know, this whole expression about like, you know, choose between the lesser of two evils. It's like, well, if you're choosing between the lesser of two evils, that's still evil, right? So like, what, isn't there some other, some other way? And so my advice is always like, look for the other way. Very wise words. Tell us where people can keep in touch with you and keep following you and be part of your community. Uh, Well, thank you. It's been a wonderful experience. Um, The podcast Side Hustle School, wherever you listen to podcasts or sidehustleschool.com. My name, chrisgillibo.com. That's my blog. It's called The Art of Nonconformity. And then also Chris Gillibo on social media or Instagram is 193 countries. Amazing. Thank you so much for being part of our show and part of our community. Thank you. It's been a big honor. And everyone, of course, you can learn more about Chris and all of our co-hosts on our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com and be part of our Instagram and Twitter uh, communities at moneyfriendspod. We'll see you. Joe will be here tomorrow, I believe, with Paula Pant. Bye, everyone.
show is created and hosted by us, Joe Salcihai and Bobby Rebel, and it's edited and produced by Ashley Wall. Money with Friends is a product of Money with Friends LLC, copyright 2020. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast and links to the stories discussed, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be part of the show. Also, be sure to follow us on social media at moneyfriendspod on both Instagram and Twitter. Look out for our polls and quizzes. You could get a shout out on the show. We're well worth following. We promise. As with anything, remember you shouldn't take advice from any of us or or any other videos or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor. These people on this episode, they're here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Bobby. I'm Joe. We'll see you here back next time with another episode of Money with Friends. Bam, nailed it.